This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Adele Ferguson, an award-winning columnist with uh, non-Fairfax. Used to be used to be Fairfax. Now the Age Sydney Morning Herald, Channel Nine. That's right. <laughs> you can't work for the ABC anymore, can you? Yes, I can. Oh, really? That's part of the deal. It is part of the deal. Excellent. Yes, that's good to hear. Speaking as an ABC person. Yeah, no, so, but no, that's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, be looking at some ideas over the next few months. And of course, uh, um, uh, Adele's the author of Banking Bad, which, uh, what's the subheading of that book again? Whistleblowers. Yep. Anyway, Adele, Adele was the person, in case anyone, you know, has just come down from Mars, Adele was the person who basically brought the Royal Commission into banking about with her stories um, that uh, basically cause the government to just give up and say, okay, we'll have one. <laughs> so, yeah, and what a Royal Commission. Well, it was. Now, um, uh, I haven't quite finished your book yet, but I love the bit at the start. So so you've you've been contacted by John Wacker-Williams, the senator, national senator, and he introduced you to Jeff Morris. That's right. And Jeff Morris emails you one more than a 1,000 pages of stuff. Yes. Which, which I... you then printed out and took on a plane. Yeah, so I mean, it was like a brick. It was a brick. <laughs> it was a brick, and my husband was not impressed, saying, you're not going to read this. And you sat on the plane reading it. And I did. I was totally stunned thinking, And you what know, year was this? Well, this is this is 2013. 2013. Yeah. This is when it started. It was when it started, and I'm reading it. I was sceptical, and then I'm reading it thinking, this cannot be the Commonwealth Bank. Forgery, fraud, management cover-up, no way. Every way. Yeah. And so what did you do then? So I got back from China, flew to Sydney to meet Jeff Morris and some of the victims of Combank, as well as Wacker Williams. And we were sitting in a room for hours just listening to what had gone on. And what was worse than the, you know, doing these people over was the actual cover-up after they got caught. That That's what really was so egregious, the cover-up. Yeah. Um uh, and that's what came out subsequently, of course. Now, um, Commonwealth Bank, and it wasn't that wasn't the only thing that Commonwealth Bank got caught for. There was Cominsure as well, yeah. um, Storm Financial, um, uh, which is all a part of it. So um, uh, take us through a bit what, what you then did. How did you go about standing the story up? So, yeah, spoke to lots of people, put the sent a lot of questions off to Commonwealth Bank, including documents that I had, just to make sure that they were legitimate. Was confident they were, but just wanted to make sure of that and spoke to other whistleblowers that Jeff Morris had put me in touch with because he wasn't the only whistleblower. There was a group of them called the Ferrets. And they were all corroborating this. Who were in touch with each other. Who were in touch with each other. And um, the story came out and I got hundreds of emails that day. It was extraordinary. It was just every few minutes. From other people. From other people, other victims who were saying, this is like the Me Too movement. We thought we were the only, we were getting told by Commonwealth Bank when we came in saying we've lost everything, that you're the only people who are complaining. Right. And they Which weren't. Was absolutely not true. That's exactly right. And it was, you know, it was many thousands of people. And then other whistleblowers, insiders from the bank came forward with fresh documents. There was Joe Hockey's mother-in-law who came forward, who was also a victim of another dodgy financial planner in Commonwealth Bank. She was battling cancer, got a, a really low ball offer, and it just went on and on and on. And then other whistleblowers from other banks were saying, hey, it's not just the Commonwealth Bank, it's 
it's NAB, it's ANZ, it's it just snowballed. Was there any bank that uh, there wasn't whistleblowing uh, that, that was that was not subject to whistleblowing. The one that wasn't was Westpac, and I can't say that they're squeaky clean. They they weren't, but I don't know how they did it. But no whistleblowers came forward talking about. So does that Westpac. mean that through all this you haven't written any stories about Westpac? I have when they have been you know exposed by ASIC or somebody else, but certainly not by me. And one of the things that came out of your investigations and the and, and the book. Uh, was not just the wrongdoing that CBA and, and the other banks were doing, it was that ASIC wasn't doing anything about it because ASIC had been told about it yeah. but and, didn't and do anything for years. That's exactly right. And that was really a common thread throughout. You know, when we talk about John Williams, what I found out about him was he was a victim of deregulation of the financial system and he had been done over years and years earlier in the early 80s by Commonwealth Bank. And the common thread throughout everything was a very weak regulator in different iterations. You had the NCSC, which was starved of uh, resources and people. Then you had the ASC, which was ineffective. And then you had ASIC. And throughout the the whole journey, you had no regulation. So you've been covering business for a long time, BRW, yes. um, Adelaide Advertiser going yeah, way that's back. Right. But um, uh, what you've uncovered about the banks, do you think that they are more corrupt or were more corrupt than other businesses? I think, look, there's a, there is a lot of corruption in other industries, but I think the, the problem with the banks is they're so fundamental to the economy and they're so powerful and we need to use them. And what was allowed to happen was you had vertical integration. And so there were so many conflicts. And then with weak regulation, it just compounded on itself because of the money was so great. You, you know, they're making billions and billions of dollars in profits. So they can therefore hire, you know, powerful lobby groups. They can have the ear of government. So I think that feeds on, and then, you know, they can bully the regulators, which they did. And it feeds on itself. And so I think in that sense, they they are more corrupt. It's interesting. You mentioned vertical integration. Um, it seems to be the case that most of what you uncovered had to do with financial advisors yes. and therefore the wealth management side of the business. Is that true? Is oh, it, absolutely. And is it 100% of the case? I mean, was it pretty well all of the corruption was in that side of the business? No, not at all. It was also in the retail banking. You, you had the Austrac money laundering oh, scandal, course. which wasn't in wealth management. You know, you even had the Dolomites, which was uh, another scandal that was exposed by myself last year where at CBA, they the bank tellers had these targets and bonuses and they were creating fraudulent bank accounts for school kids to get the bonus and not get whacked over the head if they didn't meet the target. So you must have reflected on why this, why the banks turned out like this. What, uh, what, what do you think the, uh, the answer is? I think it was greed. It was pressure from institutional but banks investors. banks aren't the only people who are greedy. No, that's right. And I think it was, you know, as, as we get back to weak regulators who just allowed this to happen. And it, it's a bit like if you're at school and you do the wrong thing and there's no punishment, then you just keep on getting worse and worse and worse. And that's what we found with the Royal Commission. The regulators were sending off draft press releases to the regulated saying, is this okay? Can we give you a community benefit donation instead of a fine? I mean, it is, it's ironic that the banks themselves call for the Royal Commission. Um, chuck, they chucked in the towel 20, they did. 2017 
or whatever it was, um, thinking that this would clear their name. Yeah. Uh, and that, to me, indicates that they were not really aware. They're not, they weren't at the top of the bank, clearly not aware of, uh, of the extent of the problems. Which is fascinating, isn't it? You know, you think, what are these boards doing? You know, they go to these audit committees, risk committees. They're seeing the stories in the papers. They're seeing it on four corners. You know, what What on earth were they doing? I remember David Turner, who was the chairman of uh, ComBank. When all these scandals were happening in financial planning, he does an interview with um, a journalist at The Australian and he's saying, I can sleep at night now because it's all fixed. And then a week later, they get amended licence conditions by the regulator because they were caught misleading the Senate. And you think, what? how can he sleep at night? The same with Ken Henry. You know, last in the book, I have a chapter on a fresh whistleblower and he'd given some documents, including um, it was to do with Ernst & Young and there was an internal uh, interview with uh, Ken Henry. And this is right in the middle of the Royal Commission and he's saying, I'm confident we are still selling products that uh, at some stage we'll need to remediate. And he lists one of the products. And you think, so why aren't you doing anything about it? I send them a list of questions. What are these products? Have they been cancelled? And they don't respond. Right. I mean, it's something incredible, really. And, th- and those, those boards, and Ken Henry and, and David Turner and so on, they, they kind of set up the incentives, the, the sort of the, the structures, the remuneration structures and the cultural structures that allowed it to happen. That's exactly right. And that was the other thing that came out in the Royal Commission when you're looking at the board minutes, that uh, the CEOs are saying, we want to get our full bonus. So in 2016, after you've had all of these scandals with Commonwealth Bank, including the life insurance scandal, and they know that they've got three red flags for Austrac breaches, Ian Narev, who's the CEO at the time, gets a 107% bonus. That's incredible, isn't it? How, how do they justify, how do the board justify giving full bonuses? Well, it just, I suppose it shows that the CEO's got it all over them. Exactly right. And that's what came out from the Graham Samuels report yeah. that was instigated by APRA that, yeah, the board are basically just the puppets or the, the rubber stamp for the executives. The other side of all this, apart from your work and, and them, is the whistleblowers. What do you think of them? They are so brave. They give up so much in order to come forward. You know, they, you know, they all got the sack? Most of them got the sack, yeah. Jeff Morris was, he left because he suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder and couldn't get a job afterwards because he was a whistleblower. Dr. Ben Coe, who was the chief medical officer, got terminated. After he became an internal whistleblower, they found another reason to sack him. Uh, The IOOF whistleblower, he came forward internally and got terminated. So most of them who do the right thing before they come to the media, they go internally to the company, they end up getting sacked. It really them, doesn't it? I mean, do you think the has that changed now? I mean, are whistleblowers more protected now than they were? I don't think so. They've uh, there's been laws changed in July first this year, but it you know time will tell. A company can always find a reason to terminate someone, and that's what they did with Dr. Coe. They said he'd breached IT policy, and that's why he was terminated. Yeah, but I mean, I would say that you know a company hasn't properly 
changed its culture until it actually celebrates whistleblowers as opposed to sacking them. Yeah, that's exactly right, because they, they want to bury the bad news, and that's that's the issue. And if you look at the public sector, you know, I, I did a big expose of the tax office last year. The whistleblower there, Richard Boyle, is facing 161 years um, in prison if found guilty. Um, we haven't even had a chance to get on to all of the work you've been doing on um, franchisees like 7-Eleven, <laughs> yeah. Retail Food Group, Domino's. Domino's. I mean, it's a whole new can of worms. It is a big can of worms. Big can of worms. Is this is this the new project for you or is there something else that you're working it, on? It, it's one of them, you know, because there's such an imbalance of power where the, the franchisors use that power that they have to totally crush the franchisees and exploit them. Well, uh, we'll have to leave it there, but um, it's been great talking to you, Adele, and congratulations on the book. Thank you. Banking Bad, and um, congratulations on all of your work. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Alan. I've been talking to Adele Ferguson, columnist with The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald and author of Banking Bad.